Hallelujah. I'd like to welcome everyone this morning. If you're a guest today, we are so glad to have you in service with us. Thank you for being here. If you're, this is your first or your second time with us, we invite you to stop by our welcome area in the back of the sanctuary after service. A small token of appreciation we'd like to give you for being here with us today. If you're watching us online, wherever you're watching from, we welcome you as a part of this service as well. Pray that you are blessed by it in Jesus' name. Praise God. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse number 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. I don't know why he had to make all those creepy, creeping things. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. He decides. He decides. It's not option up to me to decide. He decides how I'm created. Amen. We do believe that, I, be, I think. Verse 28, And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it. And subdue it. And he says again what he said in verse 26, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. He blessed them and said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. I'd like to ask you a question this morning as my title are you subduing or are you subdued? Are you subduing? That's one of those just words that all by itself has a unique, interesting subduing. Are you subduing or are you subdued? Jesus, I thank you that you are here today. I thank you for your presence that is in this place. I thank you for the privilege of being in your presence today. I thank you for your spirit that's already ministered in this service this morning. I believe, God, that you have already touched hearts and lives in this place. I believe somebody has already received today something they needed from you. Now, God, I pray that through your word, you would continue to minister, that you would speak to us today, that your word would minister in this place, that your spirit would touch our hearts and our lives today. God, I trust you again this morning. I depend upon you for your anointing today, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I believe that Genesis chapter 1 and the account of creation is not just simply to let us know how all of this got here. I do not believe that we got here by evolution. Do not believe that all of this just happened to evolve into what it is. It always puzzles me that you would never convince the educated people that believe in evolution that anything else just happened accidentally. 
You would not believe that this pulpit just happened to accidentally become what it is. You, you would not believe that the parts necessary to make this organ just happened to come together and form. There was a designer, there was a creator, there was a builder. How it is that all of those smart people would somehow buy into the fact that all of this just happened is really amazing to me. And so not only does Genesis 1 tell us how all of this came into being, but throughout Genesis 1 and the account of creation, there are some very significant principles that God established and some very important things that God said to us. And so it is not just simply information about how this got here and the sequence by which God created it all. There are some things that God was trying to establish, some principles and patterns that apply to us in a variety of ways. Some of those personally individually. Others of those apply to us as the church, as the body. And so in the account of the creation of man, God says that I am giving him dominion. And then he says in verse number 28 that he is to be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth. And here is his job description. Here is his duty. Subdue it. The word subdue there in the Hebrew simply means this, to subject. It means to force. It means to keep under, to bring into bondage. It means to make subservient. So God says, I'm creating the earth and then I'm creating man. And it is my intent that man would make earth subservient under him. Now, I'm, I'm not about misusing the environment. I believe that the Bible teaches us about good stewardship. And as a part of the principles of good stewardship, that teaches us some things about how we ought to treat this world, this the environment, this earth. But I will also tell you, I was not created to be a servant of the environment. I don't find anywhere in Scripture the term Mother Earth. Earth is not my mother. Earth, according to Scripture, was created as the habitation for man. I, I, I don't let the heating and air it's heating and air conditioning system in my house tell me what to set the temperature on. I determine. Because that house is for my benefit. It's where I dwell. And so it serves me. And so God says, I'm, I'm created all of this. And the last thing I'm creating is the one I've created all of this for. And now I'm telling him, I want you to subdue it. I want you to have dominion over it. I don't want it to control you. I want you to control it. I'm, I'm going to try to get faster and louder and all that this morning, but I can't promise you right now. When, when is, when, I know when you ask a question like this, it's kind of vague, so we'll see if it works. If not, I'll, I'll help you out, okay? When, when do you typically hear the question asked, who's in charge? You, 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 that's, there's a word I'm looking for, but, but you're on the right track, Brother Barr. When, Brother Barr said when there's a problem. Anybody else? There, there's a word. Ah, where I just heard it. When there's chaos. When there is chaos, somebody says, who 
is in charge. I, I've even, I've even asked that at home a couple of times years ago. I mean, I, I was supposed to be, but I, I even asked who's, who's in charge? Cause it seemed like sometimes the six month old was in charge and sometimes the two year old was in charge. And of course that all stopped years ago. We won't. You ask who's in charge when there's chaos, when there's a problem, when there's confusion, when there is disorder, you have to ask who is in charge. You ask that for a variety of reasons. You ask that partly because there's chaos and confusion. Who's in charge, meaning who is responsible for fixing it? Mm. I feel a plodding spirit this morning. <laughs> you, you, you don't, no one ever asks who's in charge when you walk into an orderly. So I, I haven't been in the military. Some of you could tell a military story. I haven't been in the military. One of the things I can tell, one of the things that, that really relates, when, when you walked into the, the locker room at halftime during one of my high school basketball games, especially if we just played a bad half, you did not walk in there and ask the question, who? is in charge. There was no doubt as we all sat in fear and trembling as to who was in charge. It was very obvious who was in charge. Mm. Let me... Let me see if I can bring this a little closer to home for a moment. Then we'll go farther away from you to rest. If you've got chaos and confusion, turmoil in your life, then it begs the question, who is in charge? Don't confuse what I'm saying with a perfect, wonderful life. Because there are plenty of days when I am confident, I am certain that God is in charge. And all hell is breaking loose around me. But I remain at peace and calm because I know that all of this turmoil may be going on around me, but I know who's in charge. I know who's got all of this under control. And at the moment at which it is determined that it is no longer good for me for all of this to be going on, the one who is in charge, all he's got to do is speak one word into my situation and all of that chaos and confusion goes. The problem is, is when I don't know that he's in charge or when I'm trying to be in charge and all of that is going on around me, I now begin to panic and I'm trying to figure out what to fix and how to fix it because if I'm in charge, it's my job. That's why in the middle of the night, when there's a noise, it's my job. She wakes me up because she heard the noise. I didn't hear anything. I don't know why after almost 25 years, she starts it that way all the time. She ought to know by now. Don't shake me and then ask me if you heard that. The fact that you're shaking me to wake me up means I did not hear anything. And what is now implied without having to be said is, I really don't care if you heard anything or not. I think I heard something. 
And until you go and investigate the house, the doors, the closets, we will not go back to sleep. She doesn't get up and go. Well, of course, if you, you would question my manhood and my husbandry if I, in fact, had, I mean, I think the natural response should be whoever heard it, Should have to investigate it. I mean, that makes sense to me. I didn't hear it, so I don't even know what I'm looking for. You obviously heard something, so you've got an idea what to look for. I, I, I know I ruffle some feathers here, especially a few of you sisters, but I'm in charge. And if there's a problem, it is expected that it is going to fall on my shoulders to take care of it. Oh, boy, I feel more than applauding. I feel a little bit of meddling for a moment. Don't try to run your house, ladies, but when everything falls apart, suddenly you're going to try to make him have to step up to the plate and fix it all. Because there's, oh. There's a chance because you've been in charge, you're the one that's messed it up. So don't blame it on him to fix it all. I know, and I'm not supposed to do that. Y'all, please. Please destroy this tape. This, I'm going to lose my job. Rephrase that, Brother Barr. Please, you'll get me in trouble. <laughs> Who, whoever's in charge has got to fix it. And so God says, I'm creating all of this, but I don't want you to be controlled by what I'm creating. I want you to subdue. I want you to have dominion. I want you to have authority over what I create. I, 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 I'm not a, uh, I'm not a good by any stretch. Let me, I won't even say I'm not a good. Let me rephrase that. I am not an artist. Neither am I any person that has penmanship. So this is probably maybe more distracting than it is benefiting. Sister Kirby, would you, would you switch over? I, I want to try to give you a little bit of a visual here this morning. So, so we've got, how do we get this out of the way? It would help if we had the right end. So we, we, we've got God in the beginning. See that Okay. In the beginning, God. Before anything, God. John says in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. It's no wonder God's in charge. God was here before you ever showed up. Isn't it amazing that we now want to try to control the very one that created us? So God then creates, it's not a very good circle, but I can spell, I just can't write. So the chances are it's not misspelled, you just can't read it. So let's just. So God creates earth, everything in the earth, animals, plants, all of it, God creates it as the habitation for Man, so then he creates man and says, I want you to have dominion over what I've created. I don't want anything from here to be here. The only thing here Should be space. (laughs) The only thing between God and me should be God. Our, Our trouble comes in when we start to allow stuff to get here. 
And we start to be controlled by what we were called to subdue. So we get family here. We get job. That's not Job, that's job. We get our dreams. That is an M, I promise you. (laughs) And then we get things like this. You know what addiction is? It is something that is out of order. It is when you are subdued by what you should subdue. If you like candy, if you like sour, not overly sour, if you like that, it's fine, but this is not overly sour. If you like sour candy, if you like regular sweet tarts, And if you like jelly beans, you have not lived until you have had sweet tart jelly beans. In about two and a half weeks, the Wright household has been through seven bags of sweet tart jelly beans. What I have to tell you to be honest with you, in fairness to the other five people in my household, is my name is David. And I have a problem (laughs) with sweet tart jelly beans. Nathaniel started about two or three weeks ago now saying, where are the sweet tart jelly beans? I started saying, we will not get them until April 1st. Easter is not until mid-April. We will not get them until April 1st. Because I understand what happens is when they get introduced to the house, it's over. I, I know all of you healthy folks sit there and judge me. That's fine. I'm, that's fine. I lose control. I promise myself every time I go to the bag, I'm just going to get one handful and that's it. <laughs> one more handful. Last night I had to run back, got home, had to run back to CVS for something and, and we were out. So I had to save the day. (laughs) And I started with, you know, about two handfuls, and I I stopped. I did good. I stopped. I didn't get any more handfuls. I had just enough space in the bag to get two fingers in and scoop out. I'm being a little bit lighthearted here because I'm not trying to step on toes too harshly. You see, we, we live in a world that wants to try to fix the symptom. The symptom to this is, if we can get there, is to get back to this. Where I am no longer subdued by what I was created to subdue. There's a song we sing sometimes it says, part of it says this, my life is not my own. To you, I belong. What that's saying is, you have the right 
to tell me what to do. You have the right to control me. (laughs) Well, preacher, I don't like that. I don't want to give up control to God. Here is the problem. You will never go here. There will never be co-leadership. There will never be co-authority in your life. You will not ever get there. And part of what happened from before time was he wanted to be here. And you and I are now battling with the attempt of an enemy who wanted to be equal with God. But you are never fully in control of your life. I don't know if I agree with that, preacher. Okay. How about what the Apostle Paul said? He said you are either the servants of sin unto death or or not a comma for getting ready to give you some options here you serve sin unto death or righteousness God unto life our problem is a lot of us it's a three part answer Mm. we read the question who you're going to serve, and here are the options. God, the devil, me. And if you choose you, you have played right in to the devil's hand. There were times when my, especially when my kids were young, there were times in which I knew we are about to go head to head. Remember one time Esther was about, I think about two or three years old. I don't know if, I don't remember if Timothy was even born yet or not, but we were sitting at the table eating dinner one evening. And I don't remember what she was, she was doing. I can't remember what she was doing. Whatever she was doing, it was funny, but it was also inappropriate, wrong. And so for a few moments, we, we laughed. And then while laughing, I'm telling her, stop. The problem was I was laughing. So that only motivated her to continue. So finally I told her, I will spank you while I'm laughing. If that's what's got to happen to get you to stop, it's funny. But it's enough. So, I I don't know, forgive me, I I know some of you are old school, I understand that, and I I guess that worked for you, worked for your kids, whatever, that's fine. I I, I got some old school stuff, and I got some some new school stuff. (laughs) But I, I preferred, if at all possible, to get them to do what I wanted them to do without them knowing it was what I actually wanted them to do. A couple of weeks ago, I, I forget what it was, but I said to Timothy, I said, hey, would, would you mind doing such and such? And he responded and kind of laughed. <laughs> would I mind? Because what he understood was, I'm asking you in a polite manner, but if need be, I will just simply give the instruction." Whether it's parenting, marriage, job, whatever it is, whatever circumstance, it's a whole lot easier most times to get someone to do what you want them to do and think it was their idea to do it. 
I believe that is the first choice of the devil. Thank you, Kirby. You can put that back on the other. His, his, he doesn't show up with a pitchfork and horns and announce that he's here to trip you up. Because he knows 99% of us would recognize him and would not give him the time of day. And so he masquerades as an angel of light appearing to be something that he's not. And I, it's, it's, you know what? The devil is not worried today about the person that's already, if they're open, I imagine there's one somewhere. He's not worried about the man or the woman that's already sitting at the bar stool this morning, having had a couple of beers already and is going to throw down several more over the next couple of, he is not worried the least bit about that individual. His concern is you and I. But he also knows. I, I got to tell you, part of it's because just I've been blessed to grow up. The home I grew up with, God's grace, I, I've, I've never even drank alcohol. Literally, I've never even tasted alcohol. That's not anything, I don't mean that in any boastful, bragging way. I've got my own set of sins that I've committed. So that's... So just let me say that to make a point. If you walked in here and handed me a six-pack, there's no temptation. There's no temptation. Some of you, I missed that. I don't know if it needs to be repeated, I guess. Uh, you got it. There you go. That wouldn't be a temptation. That's over with. (laughs) Some of you, perhaps, based on your past and in a moment of struggle, that could be a temptation for you. But there are other things that are much more subtle that if I'm not on guard, I miss, I I didn't tell my family this, uh, any of this story, but I I got home Thursday night from church first. I was there by myself, I got home first. And I, to my knowledge, I was the last one to leave the house. And when I got home, I thought for sure that I thought I went downstairs and turned all the basement lights off and the basement light in the stairwell off. And I walked through the door and... That light was on. And I'm trying to replay who left the house last and who did what. And I'm almost positive that it was me. And I thought for sure I had turned the lights off. So I made my way to the kitchen. And I stood in the kitchen. I wasn't going to ask my wife when she got home if she heard the noise. Go find it. But what I was doing was, I decided, I really think I turned that light off. I don't know why it's on. So I am waiting till someone gets home before I begin to investigate. So that in the event I did turn it off, and someone has now turned it on, and that someone is there... At least if I scream, somebody. Somebody. I, I, I finally, this, my wife says she enjoys hearing me preach because she learns all kinds of stuff about me because I'm not a very good communicator. I am working, especially after yesterday, to work on that. So we, we've been doing a little bit of touch-up repair in the house, and it just so happened there was a caulk gun. Because, you know, I never understand. You wake up in the middle of the night. I know some of you pack under your bed, but I don't. 
And I always, those times that happens, I'm like, honestly, she thinks she heard something. And if in fact she did, and it's a human, it's not going to be good. And I'm walking around empty-handed investigating. I need to work on that. So I did, I thought, you know what? I don't remember who was home yet. One of the kids, I think, I thought, you know what? They won't even think anything. If I carry a caulk gun, they'll just, maybe I'm putting it away. I just thought, you know what? That light's on. Just in case. I'm at least going to have something. I mean, it was a pretty full tube of caulk. And so I thought I might be able to, I might be able to get enough momentum behind the swing to do a little bit of damage. I I wasn't going to use it as a gun. Some of y'all. Flat. I was going to use it for blunt force. I think some of y'all had a moment thinking I was that dumb, brother. You're gonna, you're honestly gonna stand there and point like you. No. I didn't think I could walk around with a hammer and the kids not one, but I thought I could get by with the caulks. So. The the thief wants to slip in does not want you to know he has arrived. Had I been home all evening and on guard, I would have never questioned. But there was an opportunity for someone. Oh, Lord, I wonder how many times the enemy slips in. And unfortunately, there's no lights on. So we're not even aware. Wait a minute. There is a stranger that does not belong here. And so I end up giving up control without even knowing I've given it up. Oh, my goodness. I got three more. I'm sounding like Bishop today, except he'll have 300. I've only got three more. I got three more pages of notes, mostly scriptures. Maybe we'll... Come back to it next week. Jesus said, I've come. Here's why I've come. That you might have life. And life more abundantly. And then he said this, the thief cometh not. But for this reason, to steal... To kill and to destroy. That is why he comes. End of story. However, he does not knock on your front door and hand you his business card that says, I'm the thief. He always comes disguised as something else. How many of you, some of you help me out here. I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, but I'm asking this because it's a testimony. How many of you have overcome, by the grace of God, you've overcome some kind of addiction? I'm leaving it very broad, so... Everybody look around for a second. Look at, look at the hands up. You've over, some of you it's drugs, some of it's alcohol, some of it's prescription medicine, some of you it's pornography or whatever else. But, but I want you to look one more time. You've overcome an addiction. You've overcome an addiction. By the grace of God, God delivered you. You overcome an addiction. Let, let me, let me, uh, any of you guys raise a hand? Right, I'll pick on you because you gotta. Can I ask you a question, brother, brother Matt Evans? When you, when you became addicted, did you, did you have any intent of becoming addicted to what it, you became addicted to? When, when you be, when, whatever it was you became addicted to, did you initially think you had it under control? Did you think you could control it? Pretty much. Nobody ever decides, you know what, I think I'm going to develop an addiction. You don't sit down with your five-year goals 
and say, over the next five years, I intend to become addicted. You don't do it. I know I'm, I know this is simple today, folks. I, I know that. Don't miss the importance by the simplicity. It always starts with the idea. You know what? I can control it. And I will know when it starts to get out of control. That starts, I I will stop. I'm going to stop. I will be done. No. Because the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's his, that is the only purpose he has. That is the only goal he has. He does not have the ability to do anything different but to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. Why is it we fall prey to the deception of the thief and we question the motive of the life giver? We buy into the trick and the traps of the thief that leads to destruction. And Jesus comes along and up front and says, you know what? Now I'm going to tell you straight off the bat, you're going to have to give up some control. You're going to have to release control of your life to me. But I'm going to tell you, if you'll do that, the outcome will be life and life more abundantly. That's it. That's it. It's guaranteed. It's guaranteed that at some point, if you let the thief in, he's going to steal, kill, and destroy. And it's guaranteed if you will let Jesus Christ in. He is going to bring life. Here, some of you have heard me use this analogy before. But if you were, if you were searching for a job, if you were, let me put it this way, if, if you were considering the military and God and the devil were the recruiters for the branches of service, you, you would come and you would sit down in the devil's office And he would sit across the desk from you. And he would begin to tell you all of the wonderful things you're going to get. You'll go places. You'll do things. You'll get this. You'll get that. So go ahead and sign. And then you ask this question. If that's all, if that's what all I'm going to get, what is that going to cost me? And he would then reply to you and say, don't worry about it. We'll take care of that later. And then you'd walk in and you'd sit down across from Jesus and he'd say, you see that cross over there? Go get it. Start carrying it. Give up control. Follow me. So you would then respond and ask him, if that's all I've got to give up and what I've got to do, what am I going to get? And he would respond and say, don't worry about it. We'll work that out later. Because on this side, there is a price that he does not want you to know you will ultimately have to pay. And so let's just talk about what I'll give you as the bait 
Let's not talk about what it's going to end up cost you because if I start telling you about the broken home and the broken relationships and the health problems and the addictions and the life of losing everything, including what I'm telling you I'm going to give you, you're ultimately going to lose. If I start telling you that price, I'm going to lose you. Well, why won't Jesus tell me in advance all that he's going to do? Because... You wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't believe it. Well, that's a lot of, that's a big price to pay to not know what I'm going to get. You wouldn't walk into the dealership and throw down $20,000 in cash. Give me a car. Well, what? Just, just give me a car. You, they, they may have a hoopty in the back lot. Come pull that thing out. They may, it may be the Flintstone mobile. Somebody's got to pedal it along. You offered the money, so we'll give you whatever we want. You say it's a big price to pay to give up control. What I learned and I think, in fact, I know, I'm not the only person in this place today that could testify to the fact that whatever price I have ever paid, and whatever it is I have ever had to give up, what he has given in return has so far exceeded what it cost me. The benefits and the blessings of giving up control to him and allowing him to run my life, what I have gotten in return so far exceeds any price that I have ever had to pay. And so you can decide today that you're going to try to run your life, that you're going to try to be in charge. But as I've already said, there is no such thing as any individual running their own lives. You are the servant of something, and it is not you. So you must decide, do I want to serve righteousness unto life? Do I want to submit and surrender myself to the life giver? Or do I want to submit and and surrender myself to the thief that is ultimately going to steal, kill, and destroy? I have, I've said it already, born and raised in church. If you're a guest today or if you've been here before but you don't know a whole lot about Antioch, my parents started this church in 1970. I became senior pastor in 2005, born and raised. I've all. Please let me finish my point before you misjudge what I'm saying. I already said I've never, never drank alcohol. I've never done drugs. I've never smoked a cigarette. I was a virgin when I got married. Again, doesn't really matter what you've done. Everybody's a sinner. I may not have done any of those things, but I was just as much a sinner as those that did. My point is this. To be honest with you, there have been a few times that I have stopped to look or think about what I have missed out on. In fact, just being very transparent with you, I've got, I've got a couple of peers that had a similar story to mine in the sense that they were born in the home of a preacher, of a pastor, grew up in church. But then for some period of time, they walked away from God. The term we would use is backslid. But then they, they came back, prayed through, repented. God forgave them, delivered them. And now they're, they're in ministry, some of them doing the same thing I do. And I, there, there was a time years ago, a lot longer ago now than I realize because I'm older than I think I am. 
There, there was a time where I honestly, I, this is not a hypothetical story for the purpose of this message. There was, there was some times in which I struggled, Brother Isaac, because I looked at them and I thought, you know what? I kind of blew it. I blew it because I could have had some fun. I could have done some things that I never did. They got over it. They made it through. And so look what I missed out on. And what actually was the thing that finally, for the last time, got me over that struggle. Regret. I know that sounds may seem kind of crazy, but my natural side dealt with a bit of regret that I didn't have to behave so much. The thing that really turned it was I listened to one of those guys preach one time. as he preached talking about the baggage that even as much as God helps him from time to time he finds himself having to deal with it and get over it again I don't say that obviously to condemn anybody here today I say that for this reason that wherever you are wherever you fit in all of this What I can tell you is, even after a momentary struggle that I went through at times thinking that when I really truly evaluate what God has done, I realize I have missed nothing. I'm not the least bit deprived. I'm not the least bit cheated. So again, I say that to you today because wherever you are in all of this, if you would truly surrender, give up your life to the control of the one who gives life, I promise you, you will not be disappointed. You see, I'm not just talking this morning about, well, okay, preacher, I'll show up to church a couple times a week. That's, that's not, <laughs> that's only a small, do you think my wife would have ever agreed to marriage if I said, listen, we're going to get married, but, you know, I'm just going to stop by the house once or twice a week to say hi. You, you think she would have gone for that? She was looking for a daily relationship. I don't just give him dominion on Sunday. I give him dominion on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday because I know I can't run my life and succeed. I can't be in control and the outcome be good. But what I know is if I will willingly surrender, and it's my choice because he's not a dictator. He does not take charge without you giving up control. But if I would surrender and yield my life, I don't have to fear. I don't have to worry about the circumstances around me trying to control them because if there's nothing between him and I, if there's nothing breaking that flow of authority and connection, then my confidence, I'm not going to be subdued by anything. But if he's in control, whatever it is in my life, he's called me to subdue it. I believe, I I hope, but I believe there's somebody here today, really believe it's probably more than just one person. I believe there's some folks today that you have reached a point that you're willing 
I'm tired of being subdued. I'm tired of being controlled by life, the circumstances of life. Maybe somebody today, it's an addiction that you're still dealing with. You would be willing to give up control today to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Say, I'm just a little bit nervous of giving up control. Just a little uncertain about the outcome. Oh, I beg you today, there's no uncertainty about the outcome because the outcome is life and life more abundantly. I I wish for the sake of our guests today, we had the time to, to, to take with some folks to tell you about how drastically different their life is now since they have given up control to the life giver compared to when it was under the control of the thief who comes to steal, kill, and I wish, because I said it, I think, last week, if I'm not mistaken, what you see this morning, what you look around and observe, is a lot different than the way a lot of us used to be. Because due to the grace and mercy of God, we used to be one thing, but now we're something completely different. Would you close your eyes for a moment, please? Bow your heads, perhaps. I really, I I know this is, seems at least to me, it's a little bit different than most Sunday mornings. It's different than most of how things have gone since I've been back here in Arnold. I, I really feel like the Spirit of the Lord is talking to somebody today. And I really believe that somebody is at a point where you are ready and willing to surrender. I realize we are in the United States of America, and if there's any place in the world that battles with the desire to be independent and run our own lives, it's those of us that are here. I know it goes against our human nature to give up control because we want to be in control. But if you would choose today to give up control to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the life giver, it is guaranteed that the only outcome is life and life more abundantly. So as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I wonder if there's anybody today that you'd be willing as a demonstration of your desire to surrender. Whether you're a guest this morning or you come faithfully, but you acknowledge the Spirit of the Lord is talking to you, would you, would you be willing right now to get up out of your seat, make your way down to this altar area, as the sign that God today I'm giving up control to you I'm tired of being subdued by circumstances and situations in my life I'm tired of being under the control of things in life when you created all of this and when you created me you created me with the purpose of subduing not of being subdued. That the only thing I'm supposed to be subdued by is you. In the name of Jesus, Father, right now, it's not a pressure that comes from you. You don't force us. You don't manipulate us. God, really all you do is give us an invitation. And then it's up to us to accept the invitation. You said in your word that you stand at the door and knock. You are a gentleman. You do not force yourself on us. You do not force your way in our lives. You are gracious and kind. Waiting on our invitation, waiting on our surrender. 
I, I have no desire to come across as being pressuring or to, to pressure anyone, but I just appreciate those that have come. But I really believe that there are more in this place today that God is talking to you. If you're a guest this morning, I, I'm not inviting you at this moment. This invitation is not for you to come and join a church. It's not a sign of joining a church. It's just, it's about you and Jesus right now. It's about you and the life giver. I want you, God. I want you to be in control. I want you to be the one that's subduing me. I don't want to be subdued by life. I don't want to be the un- under the influence of the circumstances and situations in my life. I want to be under your influence and your influence alone. In the name of Jesus. 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 I believe I'm preaching to some folks this morning that you're not a guest. You come faithfully. But if you'd be honest with yourself, you'd acknowledge, Brother Wright, I've I've allowed some things in my life to subdue me. Maybe for some of you today, it's bitterness. Maybe it's unforgiveness. That's the thing that is subduing you. Maybe it's not an addiction. But maybe it's an unwillingness to let go of some hurts, some pain from your past. And knowingly or unknowingly, you have now become controlled and influenced by that. Church, would you be sensitive to the Holy Ghost right now? You're not needing to respond for yourself right now. Would you be sensitive to the Spirit of the Lord? In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. He'll give you peace. Peace you never knew. There is no substance that can give you peace. There's no drink that can give you peace. There's no possession that can give you peace. There's no individual that can give you peace. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. Oh, only you, Jesus. You're the only one, Lord. You're the only one, Lord. Only you, Jesus. He'll make you free and whole. He'll give you peace you never knew. Sweet love and joy and heaven too. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul.
satisfy your soul. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. If you need to go, you'd like to go, you're welcome to do so. presence of the Lord, I believe, is still moving in this place. We're going to give God a few more moments to do that. Oh, He'll give you peace you never knew. Sweet love and joy and heaven too. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. can satisfy your soul. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Only He can cleanse your heart. 